Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Olson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? What's up, David? How are you? Pretty good. A um, little quiet week uh, as we kept, obviously, the whole month of August can tend to be a little quiet, but yeah. uh, quiet week here. Uh, we got a little thing we're going to do with the second half of the episode. Uh Kind of, it's all in the spirit of the same idea. Obviously, every we've just been talking about Kevin Durant every week, and that's where we got to start again <laughs> this week. Because um, uh, there's some some minor developments, maybe major. I don't know. It depends how you kind of feel about NBA trade uh, demands and GMs speaking out about trade demands and stuff like that. Um, definitely, I guess a dramatic story Monday. Um, so we'll talk about that up at the top in the second half of the episode. And the most of this episode, uh, in the spirit of Heat trade rumor season, we're going to rank the five best trades in Heat history. Maybe talk about where a Kevin Durant trade would fit among those all-time trades. There's some some good ones we were talking before, and there's a bunch of honorable mentions on there, too. Um, but first, uh, let's get to the news from Monday. Uh, that is, right, Monday? Yeah, Monday. Yeah, Monday. Uh, Kevin Durant... Um, I guess, meeting with Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, and basically saying it's either me or it's Bobby Mark or sorry, Sean Marks, not Bobby Marks, former Nets Bobby, GM. Poor Bobby right? Marks, yeah. Poor yeah. Bobby Marks, but it's honestly very confusing that Sean Marks is the GM of the yeah. Nets now when Bobby Marks used – was he the GM of the Nets? Was that his title? No, I don't know. He was in their front office. Yeah, he was in their front office. He was an exec for a while there. Right. When they were, when they were in New Jersey. Yeah, when they were in New Jersey. Um. Anyway – Sean Marks and Steve, friend of the show, Bobby Marks, by the way. Um, it's either Kevin Durant or Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Um, and then Joe Psy uh, later in the day comes out and basically says, we stand behind our management side of things. We're going to do what's best for the organization, and that is keep those guys. Um, I guess we'll start broad here. Just what did you make of the I, I, I'm kind of most interested by Joe Sy's comments because that's the unusual part of this, right? You don't see an owner or GM or whatever come out and make like statements like that based yeah. off of reports very often. <laughs> right. um, so what do you make of the the latest developments in this Kevin Durant saga? I mean, it's like you said, there isn't too much new, right? It's just, it feels right. like we're just getting like trickles of new information on the Kevin Durant front. It's been a month and a half since his trade request, and I don't know how much closer we are to a deal, or maybe we're yeah. further away, actually. Like, I feel like yeah. when the first, when the trade request came out, like, we were like, oh, my God, it's going to happen, like, tomorrow, or maybe even today. Yeah. I, I remember staying up that night, like, the first night of free agency, June 30, when he made, when the trade request became public, like, should I go to sleep? Is it going to happen now? Is it going to happen <laughs> at 2 a.m.? Like, should I wait? Well, we have had breaking news parts of this at 2 a.m., because that was when Woj said the Celtics are a contender. It was a 2 a.m. Yeah. 
support. Weird. Yeah, so I guess we do have to stay up till 2 or 3 a.m. just in case. But um, I, I guess the biggest takeaway from this is I guess now we kind of know why he wants to be traded. Like, I guess he's yeah. just not like working for Steve Nash and Sean Marks, right? Um, I, I think the thinking was that he liked Steve Nash. I, I think that was his pick for coach, right? It seemed yeah. like a good relationship. All, with by Steve all Nash. reporting accounts, it was that he kind of handpicked uh, Steve yeah. Nash. So it was kind of surprising, but at least now we know the reason why he wants out, right? Because I guess, yeah. according to this report, if they fired Steve Nash and Sean Marks, maybe Kevin Durant would stay. Um, it doesn't seem like that would happen. As you referenced, Josiah kind of tweeted his support for the coaching staff and, and the front office. Um, so it still looks like Kevin Durant probably will be moved, um, but I don't know when. I, I guess one of the implications of this type of report is will the Nets bring Kevin Durant to camp? I mean, yes, will he play? Will he practice? Will he skip camp? That's a question. But if he does practice, if he plays through it, that's going to be pretty awkward with him and Steve Nash after yeah. this came out that he does not, you know, he wants him fired and also Sean Marks as well. Um, so does this make give, you know, create more urgency for Brooklyn to make a deal before camp? Um, does this reduce some of their leverage? I guess, you know, those are questions I think that you have to ask after this report from Shams uh, came out. Um, but as of like, when it regards to the heat's chances of getting Kevin Durant, look, what was the line that in the Shams report, I think, and this is what we've talked about for the last month. Um, the Nets have made clear privately that they will take every last asset from a team that trades for Durant. So as long as the Heat aren't in, including Bam and Abayo and Jimmy Butler and any offer for Kevin Durant, I just can't see how they could. Yeah. The, the Nets aren't going to settle for an offer headlined by, as talented as he is, Tyler Hero, who was, you know, as of this point, is not an NBA starter. I know it's kind of... Um, you know, he he so, probably deserves to be. Yeah, it's probably deserves to be an NBA starter, but still, like he's a he was a six man last year, and for him to be the headline of a trade offer, I think Tyler Hero is very good. He's 22 years old. He's a good scorer, um, very talented offensive player. But Brooklyn was gonna want more. Um, and it's not like the Heat have five or six picks either to to make their offer better. Um, they only have two right now, and they can maybe open up a third, but they don't have a ton of picks. Um, so I, I just don't see how it happens. Um, as long as Bam and Jimmy are off the table, which it seems like has been the case up to this point. Yeah, the Heat still basically has one path to get Kevin Durant, and that is um, all these the 28 other team or 27, whatever the number is now that's not on Kevin Durant's list. They basically don't want to call Kevin Durant's bluff and decide they're not part of these this bidding war. Um, and then eventually, also the net, the uh, sorry, the Nets get tired of waiting around and trying to convince Kevin Durant to stay. So um, a lot of breaks need to go in the Heat's favor in that regard. And, you know, odds are, are still pretty slim. But the longer this drags on, obviously, the better yeah. the Heat are kind of sure. in. Um, but, but again, like all it takes is the Pelicans or, or someone or the, the Raptors or someone who's not on Kevin Durant's list to say it's worth the risk of trying to get Kevin Durant here and convince him that this is a good spot for him. That's all it takes basically to knock the heat out of this. Cause um, you know, can they, if it's a heat uh, suns bidding war, can the heat come out on top on the suns? Yeah. 
they can. It depends what the, how the Nets feel about um, Tyler Hero compared to Mikael Bridges, or you know, like they're, they're, right. there's comparable assets on both sides uh, of those deals. Um, whereas, you know, if, if another team pops in, then, then it becomes a lot harder for the Heat to win. And then again, like it also takes the Nets basically if we get to January saying, all right, we got to do something. We can't just have this guy sitting out games if that's what it comes to. Um, kind of got to go the other way on this report, though. Like, this makes me feel like – so the weird thing about the – like you you mentioned at the top, the weird thing about this whole trade side was, like, it kind of didn't make sense why Kevin Durant wanted a trade. Um, like, I don't know, when the Nets – the Nets are healthy and get to play a full season and – they have Kyrie and Kevin Durant and, you know, maybe Ben Simmons. Like, you can be a title contender. It may, like, I don't know where he's going that's better unless, like you said, maybe the Heat or the Nets, uh, Celtics, whatever. Like, he's trying to get to an upgraded situation, but, like, those situations are all kind of marginally better than the Nets' ideal scenario. Obviously, we did not see anything close to their ideal scenario last year, but the year before, they probably should have won the championship. Um the fact that now we kind of have a reason, and the reason is, like, again, Sean Marks, who is a, I don't know, okay general manager, and Steve Nash, who is an entirely unaccomplished NBA head coach. Like, to me, the fact that, like, Kevin Durant gave an ultimatum, where the ultimatum is basically, it's these guys or it's me, whereas before he was just like, I want to get traded, like, no matter what. Like, it kind of feels like it's going in the right direction for the Nets now. The, the waiting is, like, getting Kevin Durant a little antsy and worried that maybe a trade's not going to come through and he's got to start saving face a little bit because, you know, I don't think he wants to sit out games. I don't think he is in that uh, Ben Simmons class of, of guy. I think he knows that, well, one, he also obviously always talks about he's a, a true hooper and, you know, he's got pretty – whether he wants to talk, whether even if he wants to pretend he doesn't care about his legacy, he cares about his legacy, and sitting out games is not very good for your legacy. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like the longer this is dragging on, the Nets are kind of winning in this uh, stalemate, I think, right now. Yeah, sure. And, now, and, again, if he sits out, then they lose, and they got to make a trade or whatever. But for now, I think things are trending in the right direction for the Nets. Yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine that he would, and I guess he could, but after this report came out, to go through camp and open the season playing yeah. in games like for Steve Nash, like maybe it happens, but that's not going to be great. Like that's the yeah. questions and all the the stories around that team is all going to be focused on that. You know, I'm sure Brooklyn doesn't want another season of that, but mm-hmm. you know, their teams are willing, are going to see if they're willing to wait it out. If they're really going to hold strong yeah. to their incredibly high, historically high asking price for him, which is their right. You know, I, I think Kevin Durant's learning that it's kind of hard to force your way out when you have four years left on your contract, right? Like yeah. this is unprecedented. We've seen guys, you know, with a year left, two years left, but four years left on his deal. Like he does have leverage, but he doesn't have as much leverage as James Harden did, or as some of these other guys did, you know, when they're on an expiring contract and teams are at risk of losing them for nothing in the next off season. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, this is something we've never really seen before. Obviously a star of, of Kevin Durant's magnitude and, with his contract status. Um, and right now it's kind of unpredictable to see know what's going to happen. Like, will a team overpay for him in the next few weeks? Maybe. Will the Celtics say, we want to get this done. We'll throw in more picks. We'll throw in Marcus Smart. Let's get the deal done. Maybe. But if that doesn't happen, 
yeah, I think we're about to like find out like will Kevin Durant really sit out practice? What will Brooklyn be forced to make a trade because they don't want to bring him into camp and deal with all that? Like those are questions still you know that need to be answered in the coming in the next month and a half because camp is it's not right around the corner but it's not that far away september 26 september 27th so it's soon yeah i a couple things uh one i can't believe how bad of advice kevin durant continues to get for his entire nba career like how how did they not think this through at all when they made that trade demand like i don't understand what what they were thinking um they had to have not been thinking i think basically and it was an emotional decision is like the only explanation i can think of um and i guess number two like i don't know couldn't you see in like a month like Kev, like a report kevin durant meeting with sean marks and steve nash <laughs> to, like, try to Probably, hash yeah i could out. actually see that yeah i could like, see that and and then all they're now on the same page and aligned entering the yeah season. exactly like yeah. it was like again both sides are hoping the other side is going to call their bluff and um and opposing teams too, by the, the way. other like, side won't call their bluff yeah. and we could get to a point where kevin durant is you know kevin durant like i said he can't he's not going to sit out games i just i just don't see it unless brooklyn doesn't play him which i don't think they will right but they could like just say kind of like the ben simmons thing of like just yeah just stay away from the team for now it's just too much of a circus like we're going to find a deal for you but just sit out for now was that a possibility i guess the Nets are going to have three All-Stars, and none of them are going to play. None are injured. There's not, none of them are going to play. <laughs> that is not going to play. It's just it's a weird situation. And there'll probably Very be weird. three of, like, the five starters in the All-Star game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And, yeah, like, I, I think Kevin Durant, we've, we've said this last last episode, I think we brought it up. Like, he, needs, he probably needs to come out publicly and say something. <laughs> He's, you know, they're sending out different things to the media, and that's you know, trying to diminish Brooklyn's leverage and, and maybe that works, but at some point I think he really is gonna have to either tweet something, which we know he's a he's into Twitter, um, or say something publicly to really kind of create even more of a mess. Because right now yeah. Brooklyn is just okay, we're gonna wait it out until a team yeah. no meets rush. what we want. Yeah, you have no rush. So I, I really think that that is the next big kind of uh the, the next big event that will happen in this whole saga, like Kevin Durant speaks finally, because he still has not said anything on record in the last month and a half. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back and do some uh, of the best trades in Heat history. All right, let's wrap things up. Anthony, you made the list, uh, five best trades in Heat history. Uh, we also talked – let's do some honorable mentions, I think, at the end. Um, yeah, sure. We, we don't want to spoil it too much. Um, do you want to count down five to one or one to five? Yeah, we can do five to one. All right. Um, all right. Drum roll, anything? you have any, like, uh, sound effects for me? Or... <laughs> all, all right, right number, number five. What do you got? Number five. Um the biggest trade or the largest trade in NBA history, 13 player yeah. trade, five team deal in 2005, uh, where the Heat got James Posey, um, they got Jason Williams, they got Antoine Walker, um, and you know those those three players were obviously a big part of the rotation of the the that 2006 championship team, the one that brought the first title to you know in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to, yeah, there wasn't a superstar acquired. But three really important role players 
um, for one of the best teams in, in Heat history. So I think you have to give that one credit. And just for the fact that it was the largest trade in NBA history. Yeah, bonus points. Give, that, definitely. Bonus points. Have to give Andy Ellisberg credit for making that work as he does. Yeah. Yeah, he get definitely three of the four best guys in that trade. Uh, they had Tom Walker, James Posey, Jason Williams. Eddie Jones goes out in that trade. I guess we could say Eddie Jones trade was an honorable mention. The Heat acquiring Eddie Jones. Yeah. It's an honorable mention on our list. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if number one on this list is going to surprise people, but this nicely bookmarks our list with the number one trade we're going to get to. Um, because, uh, you know, in some ways, this and our number one deal kind of transformed what the Heat. Obviously, Dwayne Wade is probably the, the single most transformational figure in franchise history. But after that, it's kind of these two trades that one of them obviously made solidified Miami as a superstar destination. And then this one kind of built up like the mystique of, like you said, Andy Ellsberg. I don't know if anyone was probably saying Andy Ellsberg's name at the time. He's obviously become a much more well-known NBA figures in the last few years. But it built up that that heat, the power that they seemingly always have to fill the rosters through creative uh, maneuvering, whether it's like creative cap juggling or or just smart, savvy trades. And, and there's a couple, we'll talk, when we talk about mention, there's, there's some similar trades to this, but obviously this is directly, I don't want to say directly leads to a championship, but directly contributes to a championship. And like you said, biggest trade in NBA history still, uh, that that's worth some extra points. Yeah. And we should point out, right, David, that there is, we're not counting Simon trades. In this yes. Oh so yeah. We because to say that at the top. So LeBron does not important. count. Yes. Chris Bosch does not count. Kyle Lowry does not count. Jimmy Butler does not count, although we thought about making an exception because the Heat did not have room to actually sign Jimmy yeah. Butler. They had to make that sign-in trade to acquire him, different than the lebron Bosch ones where they had that cap space, and basically that just let those two guys get a little bit more money. Um, the players were incentivized, and, and so were, was Cleveland and, and Toronto. But, yeah, we're excluding all sign-in trades uh, yeah. in this or – this would be a much more boring list, I think. I was going to say, the list would be too easy if we were including signing trades. Like, yeah, it would just be, be basically one, our, yeah. two, Jimmy Butler, three. Yeah, it would basically, I think our number one on this list would be the only one that makes the top five, probably. After, if we yeah, probably. That's it. So Maybe maybe number two also. Yeah, I guess. Number, that, two, that is big number two is pretty big. Um, all right, so continuing with the list, number four. Kind of tough because I think number four and three are pretty close as far as just meaning to the fran- the caliber of player that he'd acquired, um, right. I would say. Um, so number four, I have Goran Dragic, that trade in 2015 that brought him back from the Suns. The Heat traded Danny Granger, Norris Cole, Sean Williams, Justin Hamilton, and two first-round picks. Um, so good good trade because Goran was a, obviously yeah. a very productive player for the Heat. That was a very pl- I remember I remember that trade happening and being like, because I think it wasn't it like a really boring trade deadline that year. And then like that trade happened and like a million yeah. other things happened. It was like, it was definitely like the kind of biggest story of that trade deadline. Yeah. And, and at that point, like they thought they were pairing Goran with Chris right. Bosch and Dwayne Wade. And if they would have done that, I mean, that team could have made a run to the finals. Right. If you have a healthy Chris Bosch, but then yeah. I think the next day or maybe even later that day, like Chris, the news of Chris Bosch's blood clots came out. I think he missed the rest of the season. Play a little bit the following year, but you know, never really, never really, yeah. you know, was able to play an extended stretch again. So, but still, Goron, arguably, think probably will have his number retired at some point by the Heat 
one of the best point guards in Heat history, maybe the best if you look at if you look at the numbers, um, was very important on the team that made the finals in 2020. They didn't win a championship, but still like made a really deep run into the playoffs, obviously. So I think Goran deserves some credit. He's number four. Um, but again, like you could argue he'd be number three as you as you about as you're about to yeah, say. Yeah, that's a fun trade, both because of the what if component of it, right? Yeah. Just like the meaning of it. It was the heat, basically. Obviously, after LeBron leaves and they're like, what do we do next? This was their move to this was the Heat are still the I mean, obviously vastly different calibers of players, LeBron James and Goran Dragic. But this was the Heat saying we're not going anywhere. Right. It's like we're we're still going to be a contender um, with these two guys from the big three left. And we needed the one more star. And Goran can be that. Um, But then obviously it's also like Goran Bridges. In some ways, Goran kind of bridges the big three Dwayne Wade era to the Jimmy Butler era, right? Because he is um, the foundational, you know, one of the foundational pieces that uh, makes Miami an appealing destination to Jimmy Butler. Um, obviously, they ended up having a great – I don't know if they were close before they got teamed no, up they here. No, they but, weren't. Yeah, but obviously they wound up having a great relationship. Um, again, like Goron isn't the reason that Jimmy Butler signed here, but but Jimmy Butler wanted to go somewhere where he could win, and Goran Dragic, you know, you have a guy like Goran Dragic on your roster that helps, um, who was not that far removed from an All Star appearance. Was it the year before or two years before he had just been an All Star? So, um, yeah, he and then obviously Goran plays a huge role in the run to the the bubble finals. So. Um, he became a heat lifer, right? And anytime you yeah. acquire a heat lifer, it's that's a big deal. I'm sure when his career ends, he'll be working for the heat in some capacity or be, you know, yeah, he, just, he was already he going seems to like a heat guy. Yeah. All the time, yeah. even though he was like on the nets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the next three trades brought back players that have their numbers retired by the organization. Right. So it was pretty straightforward, pretty easy. But yeah. number three, and and it could be the if Goran gets could be the top four, retired, yeah. it could be the top four. Um, was a Tim Hardaway trade yep. in the middle of the 95-96 season. So I think Pat, Pat Riley's first season with the Heat um, makes one of his biggest moves um, early in his Heat tenure to get Tim Hardaway from the Warriors for Chris Gatling, Bimbo Coles, and Kevin Willis. Obviously, it's self-explanatory. Bimbo Coles. Just kind of – I mean, that team never made the finals, right? But Tim Hardaway was – iconic like when you think of the heat in the 90s like you think of one of the guys you think of first is tim hardaway um just his meaning to the franchise kind of helping put the heat on the map um with those 90s teams that made a you know challenge the bulls a little bit in the eastern conference finals and were just really competitive um in the late 90s um that one's a no-brainer that has to be on this list yeah the utep two-step tim hardaway one one of my favorites like when i was younger just very fun player to watch and oh yeah probably was he the first probably the first heat guy to uh make first team all nba right i don't know if zoe ever did but for you know for a long time you could make a zoe was probably always like the best player in heat history until Dwayne wade showed up but like tim hardaway's peaks were as, were as high as anyone's until wade and and the big three and Shaq. yeah obviously. yeah um, number two, connected Tim Hardaway. The, Speaking of which, there. yeah. Yeah, that has to be that. I mean, you could argue that was maybe the one of the, the most important trading in history, just because Alonzo, yes, Pat kind of created 
heat culture, right? But Alonzo was the embodiment of, of heat culture in the 90s and kind of giving Riley that player that was an extension of Pat and everything he stood for. Um, Alonzo Mourning for a long time was the best player yeah, in franchise history. he was the best history. player in franchise history. Yeah, until, until Dwayne Wade. Yeah, so uh, I think that was I think that one was right before the Tim Hardaway trade. I think it was the same season, but um, either the start before right before the start of the season or early that season, they acquired um, Alonzo Mourning from the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and as we all know, Alonzo still works for the team, and it's yeah. still very. Uh, regular presence around the practice court and games and all that. So, um, again, another no-brainer. Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, those teams, you know, when you think of the Heat, yeah, big three will always come to mind first, but those late 90s teams, those were fun. Yeah, he put kind of put the Heat on the map. Um, yeah. Obviously. So, I guess what we should note about this trade, as opposed to the previous one and, and number five and kind of number four also, they gave up two first-round picks for Goron, is this was like – the, where the other ones were kind of fleecings, this one was, you know, the Heat gave up Glenn yeah. Rice in this trade. Glenn, Rice, and Glenn yeah. Rice, at the time, Glenn Rice was the, had been the best player in franchise history, probably. Right. Um, but obviously, like, every, you know, even bad franchises have one all-star guy who, like, scores points and stuff. Um, again, Alonzo gave, made the Heat. You know, once, once you are a team that, if you, if you play in Miami and you're a team that has had, like, a run of success, an extended run of success, in the NBA, it kind of puts you on the map, and that that's what Alonzo, and obviously Tim Hardaway, but, but Alonzo is the face of those teams, and like you said, the most important guy, the best player, um, obviously eventually won, he was on the 06 team, so eventually won a, a championship yeah. with the, as a player, um, and like he has never left <laughs> Miami basically since, so uh, yeah, he's he's got to be number two, and I think you could make a case for it for number one, I would not, you obviously did not, but yeah. just... Like the meaning to the franchise is, is pretty big. Um, but number one is uh, a no-brainer. No. In my obvious. opinion. Well, yes. And, and I'll ask you a question after I reveal it. But, um, yeah, number one right now, no-brainer, Shaq. I mean, yeah. yes, like, he's probably not even the top five. Uh, I don't want to say top five. The top three of best players in franchise history. Like, at that point of his career, he wasn't. I think for one year he was maybe he was runner up for was, MVP. He was runner up for MVP. Probably should have won it, but like overall his entire Heat career, like you could argue, obviously Dwayne Wade. Yeah, it was basically two years. LeBron, yeah, but just the fact of a superstar of that magnitude coming to the Heat, like an international superstar, was huge. Yeah, he was to put the heat probably, I guess LeBron was like in year two at that point. Year one, like LeBron had barely been in the league. LeBron was like a year, entering year three, I think. He was on the same trajectory as Wade. Yeah. And, um, you know, Shaq and Kobe were the two most famous players Huge. in the league. Yeah. I think Shaq was probably the most famous player in, in basketball. Yeah. I Just crossover appeal. Like, I think yeah. Shaq was probably number one. Um, and the fact that it helped bring them their first championship, like, that's the icing on the cake. What I was going to yeah. ask you is if those teams with Shaq never won a championship, do you think this is still number one? That's a good question because uh, the re obviously the reason why it's number one is Shaq was, uh, you know, the best player in the league one year, the second best really kind of a one a one b for most of that mm. season. Obviously, Wade in the playoffs was on another level, but really a one a one b situation kind of during the championship year. Um, 
But the other the other aspect of it is, like I said, it made the Heat a superstar destination, which has obviously yes. been the defining trait of the franchise pretty much since then. Obviously, LeBron and Bosh wanted to come here. Uh, Jimmy Butler wanted to come here. Um, uh, Kyle Lowry wanted to come here. Like, God has become part of it is Miami. Part of it is Pat Riley. Part of it is they win championships. Um, but that all starts with Shaq and, and turning Miami into a real destination city. Before that, like we said, Tim Hardaway was probably like the most famous kind of guy to, to come in. Him and Alonzo, like we said. Um, but, you know, Shaq put it, changed the, I mean, you were, you were a, a kid down here when he came. Right. So like what, yeah. I mean, it was, I remember watching sports center and you'd see him at the, the big like pep rallies and stuff. And uh, he went, didn't he join Miami police, department as like an honorary yeah. Oh, yeah. Officer. Do you, like, do you, do you it was the biggest l- story in bat i mean obviously it was the shaq kobe fallout was huge and it made miami the center of the nba world in a way that and never been before since yeah. that moment they have been to them in golden state have probably spent the most time being the, the centers of the nba world for the last 15 years since or like 15 plus years since that trade happened yeah and that moment like for his when he got to the arena for an introductory press conference, I believe when he showed up in an 18 wheeler came yeah. out with like a big water gun. and was like yeah. spraying the crowd and promised the champion to bring it to bring a championship to the heat, which he obviously followed through on. Um, yeah. Just so many memories from that trade that until then, yeah, the Heat were very good. Like in the late nineties with Zoe and Tim Hardaway, but it just had a different feel with Shaq on the team. And then you had a yeah. budding superstar, which we, you know, I think everybody thought Dwayne would be really good, but we didn't know how good he would actually become at that point. He was entering year three. Um, that was to me no brainer. I think number one, even if they don't win a championship, I still think that's number one, just because of for what it meant for the franchise at that point and moving forward. You know, so uh, um, I, I I would still I think put Shaq number one, um, even without the 2006 title. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, and we should say also like the other trade, like the that was a good. I mean, obviously it's never a good trade when you deal Shaq, but the Lakers get back uh, Lamar Odom in that trade. Yeah. So obviously, it was a huge part of their championships at the end of the decade. Um, you get Karan Butler, who I don't remember what the trade was to send him to Dallas, but um, you know, obviously Karan was a very good player. Um, Karan spent some sorry, time with the Lakers, though, right? He did, and then he went to Washington. I guess he went to the Wizards. Yeah, Wizards first. I don't know what yeah. the uh, how I can't remember how the Wizards got him. Like if if the Lakers got something back in in that deal, but um, yeah, the but it the, was a, uh, the Lakers got they, Lakers, they the oh, Lakers got back Kwame Brown. Call me Brown. Yeah, that was that was that trip. Okay, so that didn't yield them anything that helped their championship run. Uh, <laughs> Well, shout out to Laron Prophet, um, Wizards, Wizards legend, uh, yeah. Maryland legend. Um, so, uh, but but obviously Lamar Odom was a big part of of you know he was the third best 
third or fourth best player on their championship teams too. So another deal where it was obviously the Lakers lose because you lose Shaq, but um, you know it was like a real trade. Like sometimes when you rank the best trades in franchise history, you just put all the fleecings up there. Um, well, that was a and good there, there were some good ones yeah. in here. So yeah, yeah. Um, honorable mention was the Heat getting rid of Shaq also because. Um, didn't get that much. They got very washed up Sean Marion back in that deal. I honestly, like, I kind of forgot that Sean Marion played for the Heat. Um, I don't remember anything he did for them. I guess he was part of, like, some really bad teams, right? Yeah, very, probably on very, the, uh, very forgettable time in history, yeah. Is he on the, like, I guess the 08 team that got them the number two pick, right? Like, he was oh. not around for the good times, but it did spare Heat fans having to watch uh, the, like, really dark days of Shaq when he was playing for the Suns and then the... Cavs and the Celtics. So uh good good to get off they got off Shaq at the right time too. Yeah, Sean Marion played fifty-eight total games for the Heat over two seasons. So was injured for a lot of the time. Obviously the Heat. Well he went to Dallas. Board. He was on the Mavs team that yes. to beat the Heat too, right? Yeah, so he, he, he actually was, I guess was not totally washed up. No. Um, he just wasn't he, he wasn't a lead, well Yeah, he wasn't a lead guy. You know, he was like at that point a role player. Um, yeah. And, you know, when he came to the Heat, like, he still thought he was a lead guy. He used him in that role. And it just, that just wasn't him at that point of his career. Um, another honorable mention one, I think, that needs to be mentioned is the trade that brought back Jay Crowder. I mean, that, that yeah. was... that was Similar to the number five deal I think we have on yeah. this list where um got role players, but a kind of a fleecing. Um, the Heat give up Dion in that deal, give up Justice Winslow. Give up Justice Winslow. Um, I remember when that trade happened, kind of people were like, I don't know, like it was not thought that the Heat were the out clear winners of that no. deal. And, and, and it was and it was considered the Andre Iguodala trade. Right, it was considered the Andre Iguodala trade. Which, who had not played which, it all that year, and it was kind of like, wow, the the Grizz got all this for Andre Iguodala, and they just had to throw in Jay Crowder, and then, um, you know, obviously Justice in a lot of ways was kind of the marquee asset in that deal because at that point um you know i always think it's funny that that season started with uh game one of that year was justice winslow putting up a lebron 27 7 and 7 on opening night like he was still thought of as a pretty good asset at that point obviously just has had a ton of injuries and and stuff to hold him back but yeah i mean obviously jay crowder became a little bit of a heat legend in the bubble run and Miami fans are still pining for him to come back. <laughs> Never know. Maybe it might happen. And don't forget Solomon Hill either. I mean, Solomon Hill. Yeah, another fan favorite, certainly, yeah. right? And got some minutes in those finals um, because of injuries, but still played, injuries, some minutes yeah. in, played some minutes in those finals. And, yeah, I think obviously it was a good trade for the Heat. Justice Winslow was, you know, that was at that point people were kind of unsure if it would work out because Justice Winslow still – still so many questions about him but i think looking back even though it was kind of a one-year rental for jay crowder um it, it worked out because they made it to the finals and jay crowder was really really important to the finals run kind of like the pj tucker of this season um and andrew andrew Udala, yeah he wasn't like maybe it wasn't what everyone expected him to be when he got him but still a, a rotation very you know an important rotation player for that finals team uh that year so can't forget that either. So I think, yeah, I think that definitely is probably one of the top honorable mention deals just because of what it, you know, the success it led to just for that one season. I have a, just, I searched best trades in heat history to make sure we didn't miss anything. 
I found an article from 2011, so obviously missing the Goran and Jay Crowder trade. But number 10, they had the Jermaine O'Neal trade on there, which I don't remember as like a, a great heat trade, frankly. Yeah. They traded away Sean Marion in that deal to Toronto, but... They got Jamara uh, Moon, though. Jamara Moon. Got Jamara Moon. I like Jamara Moon. Always like Jamara Moon. Jamara Moon was fun. Um, I think I'm looking at the same list you're looking at. Cause I, it's the first thing that comes up when you Google. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, the Brian Grant one to Miami is... Uh, Brian Grant had some really good years for the Heat and was, um, you know... He was, part of the, uh, he was part of the Shaq trade, right? And he was, yeah, he was part of the, the, the return the Lakers got for Shaq. So, yeah, not only did he play well for the Heat and... And it was a fan favorite down here. I remember having his his dreadlock wig as a kid, like wearing it to games. <laughs> um, but he also helped to get Shaq. So I think that one probably deserves to be an honorable mention as well. Yeah. Um. So let's let's say they they swing a Kevin Durant deal. Where where yeah. would you stick that on here? I think it's very similar to the Shaq trade. The Shaq trade, yeah. Because late superstar, one of the best players ever, late in their careers. Obviously, he do the deal with the intent of winning a championship in the next yeah. few years while they're still, you know, in their late in their prime. Um, I, I would rank it number two. Yeah. But they got to win because right? Like that's, that's the caveat on yeah, it. Yeah, I guess. But I just, I mean, I just said that like Shaq. I know, I know. But, but Shaq was different because he was the first one. It was the first one. I kind of one. opened the door. The tone, yeah. Like that is the, that is when you think of the Miami Heat in the last 20 years or whatever, you think they are in on every free agent, basically. Like everyone right. wants to come. I've, Ironically, not really free agents because every big heat move has technically been a yeah. trade, but um, they are in on every superstar who wants to change places. And Shaq, I'm trying to, like, I, I don't remember the, the Shaq trade. Obviously, the Lakers at that point kind of like were deciding between Kobe and Shaq, right? They're like, we can't keep both of them. We got to trade one. Um, right. Was, I don't know, was there like, before that trade happened, was there like buzz that Shaq wanted to come to Miami, or was it very much a situation where just the Heat had the best offer on the table for the Lakers? Because again, like I said, pretty you know, Karan Butler and Lamar Odom, those were two really, yeah. those guys were like like, I mean, in an alternate universe, watching Dwayne Wade grow up with Karan Butler and Lamar Odom would have been pretty fun. That team was that team was 2005, or was it 2000? No, 2003, 2004, 2004. Yeah, they made the playoffs, right? Yeah. Wayne's rookie year when they made it to the second round of the playoffs. That was a fun team. Yeah. Brown Butler, Eddie Jones, Brian Grant, um, Rasul Butler, Lamar Odom. Like, that was a really fun team. And there were some people that were like, oh, it's not worth it. Like, why are you going to break up this core? A lot of these young guys for Shaq, who's, I don't know how old he was at that point, but, you know, obviously was getting close to the end of his prime. Kind of a similar conversation as <laughs> you have now, which is like, it's just funny, like, that the trade, the trade would be so similar if they got Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think Kevin, the Kevin Durant deal would be definitely up there. If they want a title yeah. number two, I think for sure. If they don't win a title, probably behind Zoe, maybe a number yeah. three, um, just because of the magnitude of star that Kevin Durant is. Um, but again, I think it's going to take a lot for the heat to swing that deal because, you know, I don't know if Tyler Hero and picks and some role players are going to be enough. Um, to get it done. Yeah, yeah. Bam, Bam would be your, you know, the Quran and Lamar Odom. Those were two yeah. big assets. Like Bam is, yeah. just, Bam's more established at this point in his career than I think either of those two were at the time. I don't think either had been an All Star. Um, I actually, honestly, I don't even know if any of those two ever became an All Star. Um, although obviously both were very, very good players. 
Karan might have been in Washington. And maybe Lamar Odom got in one year with the Lakers just because he was a Laker and they were really good. But, um, yeah, Bam would be pro- – Bam would probably be the – I guess Glenn Rice. Like, would Bam be the best player the Heat ever traded away? It would be him or Glenn Rice, right? I'd yeah, probably- I mean, they traded Shaq, but obviously Shaq was late in his career. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would think – yeah, and, and at that point, it's just – I guess the one difference is the Heat and the Shaq deal. Like, they said Dwayne Wade is off the table, right? Anybody but Dwayne. Right. But Dwayne was – at that point, again, entering year two of his career, yeah, he like he was a Wade, budding, he was, yeah, he was something more similar to like, yeah. um, I don't know, like Jamal Murray or something, right? Obviously, yeah, those guys right. have played a little longer, like, but I don't want like was he wasn't even necessarily like was he Anthony? Ed- I guess he was Anthony Edwards, basically, yeah, like that equivalent, pretty, right? So like the Heat were fine trading some young pieces because they still had. Their best young player, right, on the roster. Like right. now, if you trade Bam and Tyler, then yeah, you have Jimmy, but you have two guys who are toward the end of their primes. Jimmy's going to be 33 right. next month, um, so I think that's a different dynamic in this where you felt better trading away young pieces because you had the, your best young piece still on the team. Um, where you know, if you trade Bam and Tyler, you're, you're really old. <laughs> you're a really old yeah. top top end of your roster, so. Um, I get why the Heat are where they are and why they feel the way they feel yeah. about not including Jimmy and Bam. I, you know, we've had this conversation a few times, David. I agree with it. Um, I know you don't necessarily agree with it. Like you probably would include Bam, but mm-hmm. I get why they're not because of that reason. Like, yeah, they'd be such an. Old and I get why they're not either. Yeah. Like, I can't remember what I talked about it last week, but the Nationals just traded Juan Soto, and yeah. I thought I was going to be watching Juan Soto play for the Nationals for the next 15 years, and that's why the yeah. way Heat fans feel about uh, Bam out of mind. Yeah, it stinks. It stinks. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know if anything's going to happen anytime soon, but it's probably we'll be talking about this for the next uh, month and a half, two months. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe longer. Yeah. All right. I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, you're mostly off these days, but popping in every once in a while yeah. with some heat content as news breaks and stuff pops up. Um, and whenever we decide we want to do a podcast. Um, so, I don't know. We'll We'll see what next week holds. We'll we'll be back. I think like every other week, basically, and probably news yeah. permitting, basically, and until we get a little closer to the season. And um, like you said, we're not that far. In a month, we'll be like, all right, countdown to the season, basically, right? Countdown to camp. So once Labor Day comes around, I feel like that's when the countdown will start, really starts. Yeah, Labor exactly. Day. So so we got about a month until then. Um, until then, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Uh, mostly doing football stuff these days, high school football. Hurricanes all back. Uh, Dolphins obviously back, although I've not been out there yet, but I will be making a trip up to Tampa this weekend uh, for their preseason game uh, against uh, the Bucks. Um, you excited about the Hurricanes? I'm excited about their recruiting class. Yeah. I don't know how great they'll be this season. I think they'll be good, but I don't think – but the recruiting class is what's exciting because they're getting recruits at like – that they haven't gotten in a long time, especially on the offensive line. So, yeah, I got five offensive linemen committed already, which is yeah. Like, and they have fun. they like want to add like at least one more. So I say, don't they have like a five star tackle that's projected? To yeah. The Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. this class is exciting for yeah. the future. I mean, if they can put more classes like this together in the coming years, like Mario Cristobal will be president. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> or mayor, like, I, I guess the one for mayor of Miami like tomorrow yeah. and. Probably, yeah. You got the Columbus connections there. 
you got the Cuban aspect to it. You've got like University of Miami. He's got he's got his fingers in every uh, in every yeah. kind of key demographic. Obviously, uh, you know the like the high like all the inner city high school football coaches like him. So you know you know all those coaches will be stumping yeah. for him if he runs for mayor. So he's got. This looks like a leader. This this looks like a leader too. Like this yeah. has the leadership like aura. So. All right. Um, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys a little later on. Bye.